1: Football fans, it's your old pal Dave, Dave Damashek. What's going down? Hope all's well wherever you are. Coming at you with episode number 23 of the Dave Damashek Football Program. As always, available on iTunes. We appreciate you subscribing, commenting, ranking, all that hooey and applesauce. And uh, listen, we are as if I need to tell anybody. We are now seven days away from kickoff. New Orleans, at Green Bay, three words, ooh, la, and la. Joining me as always, my main man, is he a sidekick or a co-host? I don't know what he is, but I know, like I say, he's my main man, NFL.com's Adam Rank. How are we, Rank?
2: Hey, boss. Thank you for having me. I think employee is the proper (laughs) term there. Lackey. Lackey. Well, I was trying to give myself a little bit more respect there, but okay.
1: Either way, listen, I don't want to get caught up in that, Jazz, because it's summer, but it's just about done, Rank. I don't care. It's always weird how the calendar, how the seasons go. Doesn't it seem strange? What are the seasons? Doesn't, well, uh, yeah, right. Well, we're in uh, sunny Southern California, and we've decided to end the summer in the right way. We're doing it al fresca again. We did it a uh, couple of weeks, uh, maybe a month or two ago. Right? We're doing it again to say goodbye to the summer. For us here in Southern California, it's not going to be much of a transition into fall temps, unfortunately, because fall is the best season. Well, it I actually we gets all warmer agree. here. Yeah, I think we can agree though that fall is the best. When you're in, I guess I don't know that you've ever spent time in crisp autumn air, but to me
2: that's winter. That no, that's
1: that's what football is when you feel that crisp air. You can smell it in the air as a matter of fact. That reminds me. I want to do a list about the uh, best smells. But that's uh, well, maybe we we'll, maybe we'll have time for that. Maybe we maybe we won't. But uh but right now, like I say, End of summer. Sorry, kids. It's our last show before Labor Day, a.k.a. the worst of all holidays. This is the holiday. This is the holiday that the man created Mm -hmm. to dupe you, you understand. Don't be duped you know whether you 're a child or an adult and you have a job to go to he, the man gives us this labor day holiday. Well, all you need to know is it 's named for work we 're honoring <laughs> work labor what, right. when we're doing that what, what, what are we honoring that for? and on the other side, oh wait we get we have a we have a day where we don't have to work and we can barbecue and drink beer, yeah, guess what's on the other side work. school and work and winter. <laughs> Don't be duped. It's It's the worst holiday by far. When
2: you were a kid, wasn't it the worst holiday? Because school started the next... I Was, was depressed. it like that back east? Was yeah, it, I just it went in a dark
1: room and wept all day while other kids frolicked. But for me, I'm going to try and put a happy face on it. We do have football to enjoy one week from today, and almost all the preseason games are going down. Tonight, what's further rank, mm-hmm. college football kicks off. And I've known you now for just about a year, and I don't think we've ever had this conversation. Are you a college football fan? I am. You do dig I like sport. college
2: football, absolutely.
1: Even though you're a Cal State Fullerton guy, it seems like a lot of <laughs> a, a lot of college football fans are bred by having attended uh, right. a, a, a big time college. I'm glad to hear that, Rank. College Thank football you. is great. Listen, it's a ter- I've I've likened it before to the most recent Batman picture. It was a very good picture, highly acclaimed and everything. Uh, uh, you know, we, the the Joker and so on. It was it was gangbusters, but it ended kind of lamely. The whole Two Face <laughs> story didn't it feel like a half hour too long? That's yes. what college football is like. It's so engaging for the vast majority of it that you almost forget when you're in the middle of when you're watching the Joker and Batman go back and forth. You almost forget if you're going through a second or third viewing that oh, this movie's going to end terribly because you're you, you, you're so absorbed by what going on right. that's how college football goes once you're in the conference play it's 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 so delightful you almost forget oh yeah this thing ends in lame fashion on january 7th or 8th on late on a tuesday night
2: yeah but to that to that extent though you also watch it when boise state plays georgia that game actually matters you're like wow. if, if boise state loses their season's over like when we watch the Absolutely. saints and the packers Like, who cares? Both these teams will probably be in the playoffs.
1: I've said it for a quarter century now. The greatest thing about college football, people complain about the polls and the system and the BCS. I'm no fan of the BCS. I like the old system, actually, from 15, 20 years ago when it was all based on the polls. And it all came down to those four or five glorious bowl games on January 1. Used to be arguably the single greatest day in sports yep. for a fan. It was really it was a wonderful day and everything was was tied up with a nice bow, nine out of ten seasons. It was always great. And the re but what still holds true in these BCS days is that every game matters. The games yep. that kick off tonight are critically important, much more so than what we'll see in the NFL or any other sport. These games count. That's what's very important. That's what's great about college football. So all right. So Episode twenty three. Let's quickly. Much to get to here. We're going to be yapping with our pal Elliot Harrison from uh, from the Fantasy Show, NFL Network, NFL dot com. Seeing our B-
2: catalogs.
1: That's right. Oh yes. Yeah. Yeah. Is there the equivalent? Like he's. It's like an Abercrombie and Fitch model. He's 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 yes. a handsome devil. But you know what? In between those beautiful ears, a
2: beautiful mind.
1: <laughs> now. Um, so, episode 23, let's get to it. We honor the player who wore that number best. 23, this one's an easy one, Michael Jordan.
2: Absolutely. There's no debate.
1: Yeah. There's well, not a really good LeBron football. LeBron wore it for a little while. No, no I'm, I'm not comparing the two. I'm just throwing it. Don
2: Mattingly that. in baseball.
1: Yeah. Uh, Mike Wagner of the, uh, of the 70s Steelers wore. Oh, yeah. Vincent was maybe
2: the best. Of NFL, yeah. It's, it's pretty it's... bad. Like, pretty... if I was a running back coming out and Mel you, Gray. Wanted a, you wanted to own a number, like a guy just well like i know stephen jackson when he was he chose 39 because he wanted to own that number i like 23 that is available that's like true it's yeah, not, no it's not hard yeah in number
1: in, in the number 23 um so all right so we we'll, so quick work of that michael jordan owns that number of course um and someday i expect that it's going to be retired by the nba i wouldn't be surprised if they actually go that far to, to no because
2: like then that. where does it start do you have to retire magic's number two
1: uh, yeah, I don't think anybody compares Magic and Michael Jordan in in contribution to the NBA. Or, really? Or, or greatness. Wait, what?
2: No. Like, he in was... greatness?
1: I don't have oh. – th- I have neither the time nor the inclination to debate this nonsense with you right now. Miami There's a... Heat retired number 23. Miami Heat retired 23?
2: Up in the rafters. Neck tie-dye? For Michael Jordan.
1: Neck tie-dye claims that th- – Why?
2: One team. They're the same. White they're White? the same team that's going to honor. T- that's the same city that's going to honor Tim Tebow at a Dolphins game.
1: One. T- yeah. Well, that. What a terrible. I'll cover that when we get to the I next game report. I, I wanted.
2: De- I want to defend Miami all the time, but it's getting harder by the minute.
1: It that is that is criminal. That is that is a crime against uh, against Miami fans.
2: Did they? Did they? Well, I guess the Speaking NHL of
1: crimes. The Hurricanes know a thing or two about that, but <laughs> but they still they, they're still justified morally on this count. All right, listen. Harrison is here now. Look who else he brought with him. Another handsome devil, handsome Hank all the way from England, proving that the NFL is indeed a global sport. This is a young lad who we bring in uh, who we've brought in in the past. Here he is again to read some tweets. This has been a banner week. I think now we bring him in on the podcast from time to time if you 're a new time list a first time listener because he has the the uh the elegant. Uh, accent mm-hmm. th- uh, of an Englishman. Right. Now we have read retweets because some of them, some of the tweets that NFLers throw out there are quite ridiculous. And I figured this would be <laughs> the best way to put them in, the to put the most positive spin on. Right. You know, at least maybe there's we're losing something in translation. This gives it the best shot of succeeding. You know, it's like mm-hmm. someone who writes songs but has someone with a better voice sing them. You understand? Right. So. I now think, though, that this segment on the uh, on the program is has caught on like wildfire with NFLers, uh, obviously, because I'd they're getting it. more and more ridiculous with each passing week. Witness Arian Foster sends out his uh, the the uh, his X ray. Yeah. What did you think of
2: that? Ray? MRI. I thought it was great.
1: I thought it was kind of fun, but that's yeah, hilarious. He's, See, he's re-
2: absolutely right that these people have no sense of humor.
1: I don't know how funny it was. I thought it was odd, but yeah, he's going to get reprimanded for that. Then Chris Johnson, who now is uh, who we have just found out is uh, uh, fifty three million dollars richer, mm-hmm. and uh, and then Darnell Dockett of the Cardinals had uh, had a, had a <laughs> couple of bond mots of his own. Hello, handsome Hank, and uh, and if you would first of all. Read for us what Chris Johnson tweeted out yesterday to, to so called fake Titans fans. Yeah, this is what Chris said before he signed his contract. Can these fake Titan fans STF you on my timeline? I don't have a regular job, so don't compare me to you, and I can care less if you think I'm greedy. First of all, it's couldn't care less. And uh that doesn't I in spite of your uh your solid effort there, Hank, I don't feel any better about that one having heard you read It's it.
2: almost charming though. No, I, I I'm going the other way.
1: I disagree. Yes, we all know that the, the fact that it is true that he does not have a normal job does not make it okay. Does it make it okay to be a millionaire? Well, I don't think anyone in this room qualifies to no. address that. But well,
2: you're close. Were
1: any of us millionaires, would it be okay to talk about – well, you don't understand. I, I make a lot more money than you, so right. you know, that, that would be
2: – You know, you sign my paycheck, so you would know what I'm calling crass to
1: yap that way. <laughs> That's right. to forgot I have to sign your paychecks being your boss.
2: Well, here's the thing. Millionaires are just better people.
1: <laughs> clearly based on these tweets you know what i say I, I i've seen it on tv you know what i learned by watching really uh what was the show cribs on mtv yes. cribs you know what that reminded me of is that powerful like cliche. the power yeah, yeah that's true the powerful cliche money can't buy class and that's absolutely <laughs> right you watch you watch people showing around their leopard skin rugs with their with roman pillars in their uh, in their dining room and everything that's every time i see it i think the kendra oh, yeah.
2: wilkinson reality show showed that too can't
1: buy class here he is pretty boy elliot harrison harrison what did you think of this chris johnson deal we talked about it yesterday we predicted that it was going to get done and here we are now i still say it was a mistake in football terms how say you
3: Well, I told you yesterday that I felt that Frank Gore and Chris Johnson were different situations. Uh, Chris Johnson hasn't taken a beating, and if you think about watching his game, you never see him get blown up by anybody. He takes the glancing blows, and he always tends to fall forward. I think the Titans look at it that way, too. They've got a guy with only three years of tread and a guy that hasn't been blown up a lot, and they look at a guy that's probably going to give them four or five years of solid production and uh, uh, really how many backs in the league? our home run hitters like Chris Johnson.
1: I hear you. I stand by what I said, though. You have Javon Ringer, Jamie Harper. Now you have a loaded backfield. You know, the comparison is the Carolina Panthers, another lousy team. I don't, by the way, think Tennessee's going to be downright abysmal this year but I, I but I don't think that Chris Johnson is the difference maker for them I, you know I, I think that Jake Locker in 2012 and beyond is the key I would prefer to see them get a a, a nice wide receiver to compliment Kenny Britt or in fact let's see what even happens with Kenny Britt it doesn't seem like he's the most stable cat in the in the world either
2: but what Elliot said was that a lot of the same things that they would say about Emmett Smith in the 1990s that he wasn't taking a lot of hard shots, glancing blows and things like that. And Emmett Smith played for a long time.
1: I don't – well, I, I don't necessarily consider those guys comparable. Here's another thing, though. Um, Darnell Dockett, like I mentioned, of the Cardinals, he uh, apparently – Embraces the the thug life. He likes to he, he likes to <laughs> carry a piece with him. He he likes firearms. And I had no idea about this. But go ahead, uh, handsome Hank. Read for us what uh, Darnell Dockett uh, tweeted out there. The gun laws in Arizona are
2: super cool.
1: I can damn near have a grenade launcher on the seat, and as long as it's registered, <laughs> I'm good. Nice. That is nice. That
2: Why didn't Burris sign with the Cardinals then? <laughs>
1: A fine question. Yeah, uh, you know, just because again, just because you can do something like <laughs> talk about how you're a millionaire, right. don't make it right. Just because you <laughs> can have a gun, you're bragging about the, the fact that you're that you're packing heat all the time. <laughs> then, as if that wasn't enough, he started catching some heat from from a number of tweeters and probably from the Cardinals organization. Yeah. Here's how he responded to that: I'm done with this gun thing. Just know that I'm always strapped. I got them same guns Ty got locked up for, and it's legal. Puts gun under seat. That who got locked up for? Ty. Who is Ty? He's a rapper, Dave. Do you mean T.I.? Well, yeah. Same guy. Ty. (laughs) Oh, handsome Hank. You're making uh, uh, the Englishman look hipper with every passing tweet. Can I just say, Dave, that that
3: he's completely right about the laws in Arizona. I got— by with my whizinator no problem last time i flew through town
1: <laughs> not exactly the same thing but is this a good strategic move for darnell Dockett to announce to his would-be uh his would-be adversaries uh, that he's a uh, that he's packing heat and where he's keeping it too so so be uh, be on the lookout then if uh, if you're a foe of darnell docket's the Doesn't, gun is under the car seat that seems uh like a, a bad ploy
2: is this like that. the modern technology version of those Bumper stickers that said "Protected by Smith and Wesson."
1: Ah, Remember yeah, those. It's like, yeah, I know You can people. have
2: this gun when you pull it from my cold, dead hands. I
1: know people who don't Which, own a dog who uh, who have the sign out there. Uh, you know, be beware dog on the inside. That's true. Maybe that's what they. And I just dropped
2: a, a Red Dawn reference on you, and you just missed it. I'm sorry. You're right. I did.
3: I'll still take those over baby on board. And <laughs> my child is an honor student in
1: fourth grade at Hansborough. Yeah, Elementary. more braggadocia. That's what this society's become. Yes. I'm a millionaire now. I'm packing heat in a grenade launcher. My kid's on the honor roll in middle school. It's all the same to me, don't you see? All I right, want to Harrison. do a
2: study on those kids, though. Find out what eventually happened to them. <laughs> Get on the, uh, Harrison likes the stats. Get on that. that Harrison. Be a great study just to find out, like, all those kids, like, go to state college. Like, like I'm one to brag, but...
3: Well, actually, after Fantasy Live today, I got with the touchscreen, and we uh, we downloaded that app. So uh, I should have some data points for you shortly.
1: Looking forward to that. Um, now, Harrison, like I say, we're a week away from NFL kickoff. The preseason games, are uh, almost all of them at least, are, uh, are going to be wrapped up tonight. And uh, college football kicks off. You're a Texas guy. Are you a big college football guy? Not at all. Not at all. That's a shame. I know it's a shame. I, it's I, the I wrong hate, answer. I hate
3: to be the buzzkill. But, you know, in Texas, I've always felt like high school football is number one, Cowboys are number two, and college football is three. And growing up in Dallas, SMU got the death penalty. And that was the biggest mm. school around. So when I'm 12 years old, there's no football.
1: But there and, had to be. I, You know, I saw the 30 for 30, the ESPN documentary about that. Where was that. TCU? <laughs> T- T- TCU T-C- is T-C- Fort Worth. Oh, that's Fort it, Worth. It's Fort Worth, but but TCU
3: in the '80s, Southwest Conference. If you're a college football historian at all, the sure, York, the Southwest Conference was absolutely terrible. From the mid '80s, you know, until the early '90s,
1: yeah, that's you know what for your era growing up, that's right. I've met a lot of deluded um, Texas fans, or at least formerly deluded. When you would talk to to Longhorn fans in the '80s, they envisioned themselves to still be a, t- a premier team, a top five team. And, and be, look they at the terrible. look at the look at the rankings, everybody. They're they're nowhere near one of the best teams in the country. Yeah, that's a fair point. The
3: only team that was strong really in the '80s were the Arkansas Razorbacks, who eventually left. And uh, Texas A&M. Texas A&M always had a good, strong team with uh, R.C. Slocum. Mm -hmm.
1: But for the most part, the conference, by and large, was weak. That's fair, but but I will say that Texas, I think you're a little off on your history. Texas was good in the early 80s. Early they, 80s. they actually were in contention. They went in the New Year's Day at least once, if not a couple of times, with a shot at the National Crown and lost in the Cotton Bowl, and that uh, in that, uh, that cost them a National Crown. I know that happened at least once. I can't cite well, the and, year and for in, that.
3: In the interest of full disclosure, I went to the University of North Texas, formerly known as North Texas State. Not exactly a football
1: powerhouse. We
3: had a couple of good. What do you talk about?
1: You had Mean Joe had, Green come out of there. We had
3: Mean Joe Green and, of course, the
1: other Steeler great, Eric Pegram. <laughs> um, so we want to talk about the running were they backs. In the we, Big
2: West when you were there? No,
1: we started out with uh, yesterday by t- covering the AFC with the franchise in NFL history that has the uh, that's had the most. Great running backs, and we 're going to cover the NFC and get into the playoffs, but while we 're talking about college football for a second and you talk about the the Southwest Conference, which then well, you know that, then that sort of blended with the big eight into the big twelve, and now things are really falling apart there, or are they falling apart? Texas wanted to have its own network they you know now they 're in cahoots with to use your language with uh, with ESPN, and so now they have their own network. But I happen to think now, and I am a traditionalist. I love college football for the tradition. I love the bands. I love the crisp air. I love the weather of it. you know. I love I love all of it. Um, and I even love the polls. Like I mentioned, the reasons why. I the the fact that every game matters is, and and that's more uh, that's truer in college football than any other sport. And but in spite of the tradition, and I don't like teams like TCU now playing in the Big East. Is that's awful. It's makes no sense, obviously, geographically. But ultimately, I think where we're headed now, when Oklahoma and I bet you Oklahoma State follows, they're gonna wind up in the pack in the current Pac twelve and that's gonna become a super conference. Then the SEC teams are and ACC will sort of blend, I bet you, in the Big East and the teams up there. I think you're gonna wind up with four power four major conferences, four super conferences, sort of like what the Big East is in hoops right now. And I think that you're gonna. That's what that will then yield is a natural format for a playoffs. You'll have a conference champion from each of these four conferences, and you're gonna have a four team playoff, which is gonna result, obviously, in what just about everybody under the sun wants anyway. I think that uh, that has to be the way it winds up.
3: Doesn't that bother you guys? I mean. I- it set me back five years when the Milwaukee Brewers left the AL East and went to the NLC. Yeah, it's that's hard. That's me.
1: It's a tough blow. I don't like it's the tough. Winnipeg Jets playing in the uh, in the Wales Conference, not the Eastern Conference. I don't like that in hockey right. either.
2: It's weird. What are they going to do? Uh, so you're imagining 16 teams in these conferences? So the Pac-10? I don't know the number. That's
1: the way it's headed. It's going to be that way. It's. Go- I mean, I don't know how w- – once – Oklahoma now, so A and M is is off to the SEC presumably, and now you're hearing teams like Pitt being floated to the the current Big Twelve. It's just going to be a big mess as long as it winds up with, like I say. A way to, to to regionalize these things and make it so that you have a final four naturally, whoever comes out of these conferences. I think it's gonna be gangbusters for us. Certainly better than the BCS. Like I've said, I'd go back to the old system if I had my druthers. My only beef with it is with the old system and the BCS is, and I'm I like the polls, I like the human element, the vote and everything. Because right. why? Because the eyeball test. Does anybody think that the Patriots weren't the best AFC team last year? I, I right. kind of like the idea of
2: I, I like the so Super Bowl to ha- be the Patriots versus the Falcons.
1: I'm just saying. Well, I, I, listen, I, it's it's inexact, but I'm just making this point to you. I loved the old World Series system. I loved mm-hmm. that you had one league champion right. from the AL and the NL, and then they met. And not only did they meet, they played a best of nine. That's yes. great. What what sports is about is about when, when these big uh, the, the, these, these big time sports are all about now. How do we get the biggest audience? How do we right. win over the casual fan? That's why we have to sit through Kid Rock and Maroon 5 and uh, whoever <laughs> else singing at halftime of these of, of the games these days because they're right. trying to win the casual fan. But for the hardcore fan, the most satisfying thing is who deserves – the, 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 the team that pl- performs the best over the course of the season should have things tilted in their favor because like, they've
2: earned it. Like in baseball, like the – there sh- if there was no wild card there in baseball, be a wild card. Of course the, not. the wild card is awful. And I know that the people will start tweeting me and be like, oh, your Angels won in 2002 because of the wild card. That's true, but they would have won in 2005. They would have won in 2009 because they would have ended up beating the Yankees in in those instances. But if you didn't have a wild card, the Yankees and Red Sox in the regular season would actually be more compelling. Of it doesn't matter. Their game was on last night. Who cares? Our friend Michael Fabiano, who's on our NFL.com Fantasy Live show, a noted Yankees fan was sitting there bemoaning, like, oh man, the Yankees, are... who cares? Your, your team's in the playoffs. It doesn't matter to do yes, you. Yes,
1: this whole idea that wild, car- that wild card races were going to make things more engaging to more people. The last couple of seasons, it, it, it has absolutely not been the case. There is no compelling wild card race going on right now. You're absolutely right. Well, I think BJ Surhoff and Dan Plisak. Aside, I think you were really
3: on to something yesterday. You're talking about college football in the tradition and and national champion. When you said that there were running back U's. And that's one thing that college football has that, that the NFL doesn't have. And I thought that was really cool. And that is one thing that even as a non-college football fan, I always thought was pretty cool.
1: There are a lot of things that the NFL could take from from college football. A thing that I've talked about uh, on and on for the last couple of years is, and, you know, listen, what happened in the Bay Area between Raiders and Niners fans makes it look like they're not even going to play that game in preseason. Right. So so uh, apparently the I- the inmates are running the asylum there. That Wait, so so— A couple of 'er ne'er-do-wells get into a fight and start uh, with the gun play, and uh, and now that game can't be. I go the other way. I think there should be a rivalry week in the NFL. Those should be locked into the schedule. We always get Patriots-Colts every year. Everybody loves that. What would be better than the Jets and Giants playing every Season and maybe you could just designate one week of the season where these games happen, like regional magic or something. Steelers, Steelers and Eagles, the Dolphins and the Bucks, the Raiders and the and, and the Niners. Yes, it goes on and on. That would be great. That's something. The regional. That's what you're going to lose from college football is the great regional element. There's much more regional pride associated with college football than there is the NFL. Nobody says like, man, the North is way better than the, the you know than the south. Is nobody t- that conversation doesn't happen well, in bit. NFL divisions, but it definitely matters. Like SEC, that is so you're talking about regional pride. Texas folk definitely used to be proud, at least of the Big Twelve Southwest Conference kind of thing. The Pac-10 people always had a chip on their shoulder. We don't get our respect, but we grow good football players out here in California. All that stuff is is going to go the way of the dodo bird as these as these conferences start to blend together and 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 make the the lines of. Uh, of states indistinguishable
2: wait it'll make it bigger because the the pack 16 there will still be that i'm chip just on saying the what's shoulder. gonna go away right no but there'll still be that and but the nfl there is like kind of, you you do think afc north football is better than afc west football i mean it is right now but you would always like through the history you have a little bit well, of pride of it
1: i don't that that's really a losing argument for you isn't it you have a team that won six Super Bowls alone. I, obviously, you're not going to win that argument. Well, I mean, you have the it's, Browns who pre Super Bowl won many titles. You have the Ravens who won. But it was
2: it. Well, why, why why is it better than the NFC West? Traditionally, the 49ers were pretty good. All right. I don't well,
1: you well, we, we aren't I know comparing. Didn't football. you say AFC West? I thought that's what you said. You just change the argument. So, what do you want from me? It's the, not, it's the, not one, the, the, the place where there, there, there's the most sort of obnoxious, uh, the people who are the, who are the most obnoxious and ignore reality season to season are NFC Easters. Those people are very yes. proud of that because, of course, those are the metropolises of. Uh, there, there are several metropolises in that division. So, they always announce that the NFC East is the toughest division, even if if that's not true. For instance, this year, the NFC South is much tougher than the East.
3: Rank, did you notice something? I, I don't know if you noticed this, but I really tried to steer us back in a very professional, savvy way to the running back conversation. I thought it was a professional Well We'll get there,
1: fella. I, and he just ran rough shot over it like Sean Connery in the Humvee and The Rock. <laughs> Remember that? <laughs> All right, so now let's... Oh, but what I was going to say is, and then we can move on to the running back conversation. But what I just wanted to say is, even I hate the preseason polls. That is, that is one of... That's... You know, people talk about the BCS and how they resolve who the champion is. The most ridiculous thing in college football is that the season starts before a game is even played. You have the voters announcing who they think is going to be number one. I don't know if people are aware of the fact, but but that's a human uh, human nature is to self validate. You say team A is going to be good, even if they lose. Look, all you need to know is if in week one, team uh, the number one team loses a game, they're not suddenly out of the top twenty five because they lost to – a game they shouldn't have. Michigan, when they lost to Appalachian State, didn't suddenly disappear from the top 25. They dropped significantly, but they're right. still in there. How By, by what standard? Because yes. you named them number one, or named them, uh, you ranked them highly at the start of the year, yeah. so to self-validate, you can't completely erase them from the top 25. But of course, that's how it should go. If it were fluid, week-to-week, based on performance, if you wax a team 58 to, to nothing, that's a decent team, then you should move up in the rankings. It shouldn't right. be... They had a by bye week and they were number one, well, they can't lose their top ranking. They didn't even play a game. Why not? If they, if the game they played the prior week was uh, a, a semi-decent but not overwhelming performance and another team behind them was dominant against another top 25 team, then by all means, that team should jump up to number one. If it were more fluid, I would really love the polls.
2: Absolutely. And it, it, it makes no sense to do it because these teams... And then it, it hurts teams, like let's say, for instance, Arizona State who's not going to start off the season ranked. I don't think they are ranked. But if they start off the season 6-0, and it's so hard for them to make any sort of movement up the polls and they'll never get a chance. But, like, an SEC team loses two games and they just remain in the top ten. It makes – it's just idiotic.
3: You know, with the rating system and and – you know, the way that they gauge the popularity of any sport, whether it's, you know, Bud Selick is always going on and on about how popular, you know, MLB is now compared to 10 years ago. Do you think either one of you guys, since I'm a non-college football fan, that there's as much drama in college football now as there was, say, in 83 when Miami and Nebraska played?
1: absolutely not the elongated uh, postseason I mean it always was strange that games are ending in you know teams regular seasons are ending uh, around Thanksgiving or maybe the first week of December and then you're waiting three or four weeks for right. the next game for the decisive game of the season but it's even crazier that you're now beyond the entire holiday season <laughs> and it's it's January 8th and like I say it's a middle of the week at night it's very I mean I, I don't think they would continue with it if it wasn't bearing huge financial fruit for them but uh, but it's obviously a system that no one's happy with, except for the people that are lining the pockets from uh, from from the amount of loot that they're bringing in. I'm uh, not
2: even sure that there's a bowl game on January first this year because it's on a Sunday.
1: Oh, then probably not. Then yeah, mm-hmm. uh, that yeah they'll shift the bowl games. Yeah, you're right. They'll probably be. Wow, that makes it tough. I forget what they do. Did they do it on Saturday then, or d- no? It's a it's a holiday. It's a holiday Monday online. is so January second will be the day the bowl games are played. But but Harrison, to your point, here is what else the NFL could steal from uh, college football: the Heisman Trophy is lame. Now there is no correlation between um, success, winning the Heisman, and, and future success. And not that that's what it should necessarily be, but it does obviously help the 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 significance of the trophy if guys if you know guys go on to great success in the NFL, O.J. Simpson and guys like that, you know, to to, to build on that and, and become legendary at the next level. It really started to get murky around the Bo Jackson time. Doug Flutie, USFL, really, I think. If you wanted to say what tarnished the Heisman Trophy more than anything, it's the, the um, Heisman Trophy because you have Bo Jackson, Doug Flutie, um, uh, Mike Rogier, guys who all went to the USFL and then it got to be strange. What do, so, wait, is he in Herschel Walker? All those guys, that whole era sort of diminished the significance of it because it didn't then translate into NFL success. But beyond that, Guys like Jason White and Gino Toretta winning it—that just makes the value of of the trophy meaningless. You know, it used to it used to be a portent of of future. You you got that? That was sort of a, a something to put on your resume when NFL teams were looking at you with the first overall pick. There is no correlation whatsoever between the two. That being I, said, hold the NFL should have a better MVP award. There is no MVP. It's the biggest sport in in the world, or at least in the U.S. The the NFL. Is and yet that's the least identifiable MVP season to season. We know who gets the NL and AL MVP every year. Mm-hmm. The the heart trophy in hockey is right. more significant. The NBA trophy is a huge deal annually. Uh-huh. The Heisman even even what still a big deal though. But not as big. But based on what I Reggie just said, Reggie Bush
2: won't even give his back, so but, it's still a big deal.
1: But no, but you—it's really hard to cite who won an NFL MVP because too many different people announce one. It doesn't have a cool name. We need to get a cool name for it and a cool trophy. That's
2: what it's all about. We should do a thing where you're able to take back an MVP award like they do the Heisman, and be like Peyton Manning, you really didn't deserve that MVP award in 2009. We're taking it back and giving it to its rightful owner, Kurt Warner. Here's where the Heisman Trophy got Yeah, ridiculous. but I love the
1: idea. I do love the idea of Harrison being a Dallas Mavericks fan, <laughs> having to watch his Mavericks get smoked by Golden State the year that Dirk Nowitzki gets the MVP. <laughs> how, how grimly ironic it must have been to be like, this is the MVP
2: of the league. <laughs> Here's where the, the most egregious example of a Heisman Trophy robbery, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you guys, is it Gino Toretta winning it over Marshall Falk? Or is it Danny Werfel winning it over Jake Plummer?
1: Neither of the above. I will. I, neither of the above. Andre Ware winning it over Ironhead Hayward. That's exactly. That, that, no that. way. Andre Ware was unstoppable. I think. Well, you talk about. Well, I'm talking about 2020 hindsight and using hindsight. Andre Ware was absolutely a product of the system Ironhead Hayward on a mediocre team uh was was just uh, was just about unstoppable I'll tell you another one that's close to my heart my freshman seat my my freshman year at Indiana University Anthony Thompson Anthony Thompson was I mean he at, when he player. when he was done had the big 10 record for touchdowns career and had he he almost returned to kickoff against Purdue in the in the oak bucket in the oak and bucket game had he done that the Hoosiers would have gone to a better bowl game. No, what was that? Was that his sophomore? No, that was my freshman year. They would have. They would have had a better record, and he would have been because they don't give Heisman trophies to to uh, guys on losing teams. They would have then gone to uh, a bowl game, and he would have gotten the Heisman trophy. Well, the
3: Adams example, because I, I, I really don't remember. Wasn't Falk even more dominant as a freshman than he was later on, and that might have been some of the werful.
2: That could have been with the Toretta thing. Yeah, that could have been. He was awesome right out of the gate, got injured a couple of times. But a lot of times this becomes a career achievement award. And so you have things like that. But any the fact that Marshall Falk does not have a Heisman Trophy is an outrage. And I apologize
3: because I just got my crappy Florida quarterbacks from college all mixed up. Charlie Ward, Werfel. I mean, who am I forgetting? Matthews? I mean, what, what other really bad quarterbacks
1: from that era, uh, you know. My adversary, Jesse Palmer. Jesse Palmer. <laughs> I had to oh, call man. him. I, I told the tale how a many, few how episodes many... again. I had to call and apologize to him for asking him about how many women he betted on The Bachelor. And, and that, was, that was out of bounds. He's the one who went on a national TV and courted uh, single women and went behind closed doors, but I'm the bad guy. I have to apologize for asking him about that.
3: Hey, and I was thinking, before we get into the running backs, how many people do you think completely forgot or never even knew that Jim Kelly— was a University of Miami quarterback.
1: Oh, I remember watching him. Their breakout game about? of the of the Schnellenberger era. I remember the breakout game when Penn State went down there and beat them. That was uh, very satisfying.
3: I just don't think that anyone ever thinks of Kelly as a as a hurricane.
2: Am I wrong on that?
1: I well no, I he do. I'm a little pre, older than you are. I remember watching that game. Jimmy
2: Johnson hurricane, so yeah, I I get that. What are you talking about? The kids who comment on the NFL.com articles, they don't they wouldn't even know that Vinny Testaverde or Steve Wall, they wouldn't be able to write. They'd like, oh, Warren Sapp went to Miami? I had no idea. Oh, listen, that
1: maybe that's why you're getting negative feedback. If you want to give uh, Rank some feedback, at Adam Rank is the way to hit him him up on Twitter. At is how you can reach me. Harrison, still, sadly, not up to speed on 21st century technology. Get on there, fella. Uh, I I have a MySpace. <laughs> Not the same thing. All right, let's- I got a
2: friendster request from him.
1: <laughs> all right, let's get into this, uh, into this running back thing. So let- just to bring you up to speed, here's where we left off yesterday. We went through the AFC. And, of course, if you missed yesterday's show, shame on you, first of all. Second of all, go back and listen to it. And thirdly, what we did was we – Created not a list of the best teams. What we did was we seeded them like you would the NFL playoffs. A division champion plus two wild cards per conference. Where that left us yesterday was with uh, the Bills winning the AFC East, the Browns winning the AFC North, the Titans slash Houston, uh, the former Houston Oilers winning the South, and uh, in the West, the Chiefs emerged as your champion. The two wild cards, after much debate, I said it was the Jets, but I deferred to, to Rankin-Harrison. They wanted the Colts, so we put the Colts in there, and the Steelers went in with Franco Harris and, uh, and Jerome Bettis. Now,
2: Wait, while you're talking about AFC running backs, it just reminded me. This is episode 23. We just talked about how there's, no, there's never been a dominant running back who wore 23. I just realized Arian Foster. Texans, where's oh, yeah. twenty three?
1: Barry Word, actually, now it's coming back. Now Barry Word wore twenty three, didn't in. he? Yeah,
3: Paul is on your old AFL guy. He's on your Chargers list.
1: Ah, uh, see, uh, okay. t- 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 look, we it decided it was Michael later. Jordan. We didn't all have right. to. We didn't have to um, overdo it there. By the way, real quick before we get into NFC, I can't help myself. I said. I want to do best smells. One, what patchouli? How do we stand on patchouli? <laughs> I know how. I know how necktie tie dye the producer stands on patchouli. You're no stranger to it, I assume. You probably let me guess. You've been to a number of fish shows. Not. You're too young for Grateful Dead shows. Did you ever go to a Dead show uh, neck tie dye?
0: Way too young for that.
1: Way too young. Don't Way slap me in young. the face. I like how he said that. I went to a half dozen myself. I went to see fish, and it's essentially the exact same audience. Say. <laughs> I think you said it all, but patchouli's a good
3: thirty-seven. Smell. How do we feel about patchouli? Well, I used to work at another sports network uh, where this graphics op used to invite everyone to lunch with her, and then she'd smoke a joint while she was like, you know, driving to the restaurant for lunch or whatever. Everyone would just kind of sit there uncomfortably, and then she would douse herself
1: in patchouli. Really, Truly. I see it. I think that is the, the the smell that has the greatest range of opinions. People really. Cannot stand it or they really love it, and I dig it. I think it's pretty good. Um,
2: Better or worse than Jamie Dukes, who you said
1: was uh, one of the nicest
2: smelling individuals at NFL now. Oh, he,
1: he smelled divine, Jamie Dukes, when he paid us a visit in the studio um, last week. Yeah, he was terrific. Here's another good one for you orange blossom you ever smell the orange blossom tree yes we have one in uh in the backyard and when this thing blossoms in springtime it's just it's just heavenly it's just heaven. i i i might say it's my favorite smell in the entire world
2: i like how he just snuck into like i have a backyard i live in southern california and i actually have a backyard does that really the count as bragging yes it is the rest <laughs> of us live in townhouses not several and, acres or anything no Don't worry. it's, it's oh, okay you're we get it you're you're
1: the boss. Message received. <laughs> Harrison, would you like to nominate a smell? I'm going to put a formal list together, I think. But I, I'm not prepared to put my formal list together. But uh, uh, So I
3: guess Dairy Queen Bathroom in rural Texas probably wouldn't... Uh, no, that would be on think, the other kind. That would be, that would be on, on the, the worst. Kind. Yeah, I, That's all I got. Kind of like the college football conversation that you sucked me into. Even I'm though sorry.
1: I, I'm not a college football guy. All right. Listen, if, you're, if you feel out
2: of yeah, your depth talking yeah, college
1: football or <laughs> smells, then let's talk about the NFL running back.
2: Sorry to insult you by trying to talk... We're just trying to talk ball. Couple guys talking ball. You know?
1: <laughs> you know what's good? Garlic when it starts going in the in the pan. You know, in an Italian restaurant, that one's mm. delicious. Um, gasoline. That's one of those ones everybody seems to like when you go to a gas station. That's nice.
3: I feel like crushed red pepper is uh, a little underrated.
1: A good smell.
3: Good smell, good taste. Oh, well, I it's, it up.
1: it's just about essential when you're, when you're making any sort of Italian fare, the crushed red pepper. But I'll tell you what's trumped it for me in, in the world of sauce and uh, condiments. I'll tell you what. I've, I've been saying it in 2011. So far, it's been the story. And when I give out my annual awards uh, in late December in a number of categories, I'll tell you, in the condiment category – The sriracha sauce is is heading towards the top, man. Look out. Beware uh, the the tried and true names like, uh, you know, uh, blue cheese, ketchup, dark mustard. You're all you know, sriracha is on the rise and consider yourselves having been warned about this. It's sort of like, you know, UNC, Duke and UCLA. Hey, look out. Here comes Butler. Same sort of thing.
3: What happens when you're like going? You know, you're at work. You're super hungry. You get mm-hmm. in the elevator, and one dude has got McDonald's French fries. Yeah, wow, that one's tough.
1: That's a great point. That the at LAX Wait, was that uh, a shot here. at me? At, mm-hmm. at LAX, when you walk in there, I haven't eaten McDonald's in probably a half dozen years. Mm-hmm. Um but when I walk into the airport there and I smell that I oh my god, it does, my mouth waters. They have something magic in there, something uh something evil that makes you want to order it.
2: Sugar. Speaking of McDonald's, they had one in Angel Stadium where the LA Rams used to play. Oh, speaking of Rams, are we gonna talk running backs now?
1: Yeah, let's talk running backs right now. All right, very nice. Great, wonderful transition. NFC East we start and to to me, your division champ is, uh, is Harrison's Cowboys over there. What a, what a one-two punch. We talked about it yesterday. Emmitt Smith may be the all-time leading rusher in the NFL, but he's no better than number two on my list. Tony Dorsett takes that spot. Bit of a drop-off after that. I have Calvin Hill as maybe the third greatest running back in Cowboys history. Guys like Dwayne Thomas, who had that one good year, uh, but didn't even hit 1,000 yards. So pretty significant drop-off. Although, Herschel Walker... I think is noteworthy because he obviously was the key figure in making the Jimmy Johnson-era Cowboys go. And well, I think you're right to have... Sending him to Minnesota and getting those draft picks back.
3: Sure, but I think you're right to have Don Perkins on here because he played in the 60s when the Cowboys started off as an expansion team. He ran for 6,200 yards— in only nine seasons, and that's back when they played 12 games and then 14 games. So he was actually a pretty good player, and he's in the ring of honor.
1: I'm surprised, though, that these are, you know, the NFC East, uh, you know, even though I said that their fan bases tend to uh, maybe exaggerate how, how great the division is season to season. I'm surprised that these storied franchises, these old franchises have not a, not a terribly impressive uh, group of running backs collectively. The Eagles have nobody. I mean, Brian Westbrook is probably their best runner ever. The Redskins had John Riggins, but then after that, it's a it's a mediocre group. The Giants, their greatest running back ever, I mean, big names, but Tiki Barber is probably their best ever. Frank Gifford, I don't even know that you can count as a running back. I mean, the majority of his career he was a runner, but then uh, extended his career as a wide receiver. Joe Morris had some nice years. Otis Anderson with that Super Bowl team. But overall, disappointing uh, group of running backs,
3: yes? Well, well, Rodney Hampton was a pretty underrated player. He had some big seasons in the 90s. But,
2: Rank, I don't know that I can put the Giants over the Redskins here on this list. When you're looking at what, John Riggins, Clinton Portis, Larry Brown, Stephen Davis, impressive names. I think the, the thing is, is, I think Dave got it right, but I think he was underselling Frank Gifford, who is a better player than most people. Well, have
1: he deb- yeah, that. he's in there. But I will say this also. Um, that uh, you can check. Oh, th- by the way, you can check this all out at NFL.com. Look for the, the podcast link and um, and in there, I will put my full listings up there uh, when, as soon as we finish here. But uh, I, I hear you, but, you know, Stephen Davis is in all likelihood for the Redskins, one of their four greatest runners ever. That's hard to put that team, uh, put, put that group ahead of, like you say, Rodney Hampton, who had some nice, uh, if quiet years, uh, you know, uh, hard to imagine that, Playing in New York City, that people don't really remember Rodney Hampton that well. But
3: I think you—I don't have much argument with your NFCs. The only thing I'll say is I know that most people feel the NFL didn't exist in the 1930s, but the league's first feature back—they officially started keeping stats in 1933. Mm-hmm. The the league's first feature back, the guy that led the league in rushing three or four times, or was always in that that top group of guys, the Thurman Thomas or Barry Sanders or Emmett Smith of the era, was named Cliff Battles and he was a Boston Redskin and then a Washington Redskin. So in the era of when you've heard of Bronco Nagurski, the best back was a Redskin. But I know you're not considering anyone pre 1958
1: Well, once we get into the playoffs, then I do loosen it up, and you can start including guys like that. But come on. I mean, those guys, when you're talking about the 30s, they were basically running against the likes of me. That is who was trying to tackle them. So how much, how much value can I put on what numbers those guys But they were up?
2: basically the likes of you, like when Steve Van Buren... Who is an old-time Eagles running back? Not only did these guys play both ways, and it's funny that you're dismissive of that. It's not like these guys were using any, you know, per. They didn't have the pharmaceutical help. They didn't have the weight training help. So of course, these guys look puny compared to today's guys. But if you put athletes of that no, caliber, that's not no, the when point. you start when you start comparing athletes to athletes, these guys were far and above better than their competitors. And that's the only way that can, is that's but, the only way that you can truly No, no, no.
1: Here's the difference though. Here's the difference. The premier athletes in the 30s and 40s, were playing major league baseball or becoming boxers. That you know, Charles Barkley from another era wouldn't would probably not have been an NBA guy. They're, they're, you know, that's a fun game to play. Hey, LeBron James would be a great NFL tight end. Chaz Barkley would have been a dynamite defensive end. But they went into different sports. Listen, the the guys that used to be why is the heavyweight division in in uh, in boxing rubbish now? Because those guys are now playing football or another sport. They're not. They're they're not going the way of fisticuffs. I'm going to have longer. to support
3: rank on this. Steve Ann Buren was six foot two twenty, and that's without weightlifting. He was essentially doing the Rocky Four workout, where he was chopping wood, you know, and whatever those really weird workouts. Uh, that was totally bogus, by the way. Drago would have been so much stronger, but that's a whole. Nother... He climbed
1: a mountain, though. Yeah, he climbed a mountain. Balboa that's climbed true. a mountain. That's a, a good... snowy mountain but with I... nothing but his but his mitts and his and his uh, his booted feet, fella. Hey, you give
3: Steve Van Buren some of that Mark McGuire, Andro cocktail, and he would have been Eddie George and Walter Payton and Jim Brown rolled into one. So I'm, right. I'm totally supporting uh, rank here.
1: All right. And also the other factor to consider is we have, you know, that was 70 years ago. We have no idea what these guys looked like. We have no idea. It's, we don't have it, photographs. It's, it's disingenuous to, I'm saying game play and play. We, we have no idea if these uh, what these guys looked like. It's disingenuous when you start ranking guys like that from the 40s ahead of players that we've actually gotten to see uh, to but set you, eyeballs on at least we've seen at least we've seen extensive footage of Jim Brown and and the 1958 championship game we have some ability to look at that and see how it might translate we have no ability to do that with Sammy Baugh
2: actually you can you can compare him against the players of his era and against the players of his era they were pretty good
1: Alright, well listen, NFC North let's move on to. So we agree the Cowboys Cowboys least. knees. NFC North the Bears I think uh, take this one and uh, and going away. This is probably the be- the deepest division for running backs. I have the Packers in last place in this division believe it or not. As much as uh, the power sweep and Vince Lombardi and so on and so forth. Jim Taylor's the best of them. Paul Hornig obviously the golden boy but not a ton of great ones and I assume that this goes, that the same thing happens to the 49ers and to the Dolphins too is that when you have a dominant QB for 15 or 20 years and Denver is another team like that that then you become you become pass first and then your running backs become uh, a secondary consideration and so that hurts you when we're doing a category like this the Vikings Adrian Peterson's probably their best the Lions though Barry Sanders. Some people would say he's the greatest running back of all time. Billy Sims, who I talk about all the time, had four golden years, and then he rips his knee. That keeps uh, them from being a little higher up. But the Bears, they're going to be right there at the finish line with Sweetness, Gale Sayers, and what a number three they have. Neil Anderson, the guy who had to take over for Sweetness. A Tecmo stud. He took oh yeah he was dandy for a, play, a stretch there. I
3: mean you were screwed on that pitch play. Mm-hmm. If you actually in Tecmo Ball, yeah in Tecmo Ball, if you tried to go up and tackle him, Brad Muster was going to run up to you and knock him off. And then if you took a bad angle and dove, forget it. Neil Anderson was way too fast, very underrated Tecmo player. The only thing I'll say on your list here, uh, Detroit, I love that you have Billy Sims. Talk about a guy that's been completely forgotten. About. I talk
1: about it all the time. And, Thanks for listening you know, rank, to the show. You
3: and I are fans of the '80s for sure. We remember how great Billy Sims was. On the Packers, I think they get penalized less by their great quarterback because Starr didn't throw the ball a lot, but more by what's going on in the league today, which is the running back by committee. You had Jim Taylor, you had Paul Hornig, but they always had other guys that they were running the ball to. And in the 60s, that team was built on just shuttling guys in Chuck Mersine, I can name them all, Jim Grabowski, uh, Elijah Pitts, who's Ron Pitt's father. They were always running guys in and out, and it basically cannibalized their yardage. So you don't see guys from the Packers of that era having big-time numbers. And then the last
1: thing I'll say is what a player Chuck Foreman was. That's right, Chuck Foreman, Dandy. He makes the list for the Vikings. And Rob, you know, listen, th- this is certainly a team that could uh, could earn a wild card here when, when we're handing those out because Bill Brown and Darren ne- Nelson was a a decade long guy who was sort of that hybrid back, but before teams really Robert had Stiple. third down backs. Uh, Darren Nelson was nice, but yeah, Robert Smith Robert was great. Robert Smith was
2: a great running back.
1: Odd body type, about 6'2", and lanky like he was and everything, but yeah, he was totally great. Totally
3: great. and Robert Smith's last year, 2000, that was the year the Vikings got hammered in the uh, NFC Championship right. game. I remember I fell asleep, I woke up, it was 34 to nothing at, at halftime, I couldn't believe it. But Robert Smith, if I'm not mistaken, led the NFL in rushing his last year in 2000, unless it was Edge James, maybe he just led the NFC.
1: Yeah, wasn't he going to retire to become a doctor? I don't think he ever went on to do that. I think he kibitzes about college football uh, somewhere uh, on the dial. I'm not sure where. I don't think he ever became an MD.
2: Absolutely, still on TV. You know, doctor law. You know, what's he going to do? Go to med school? Be on TV?
1: I don't know. That was supposedly his passion. Though he got into trouble with uh, with Ohio State, didn't he? Well, long before the sweater vest, Trestle and company. that Wasn't there a bunch of noise about their academic process and he put a stink on his university? Wasn't that the way it went down? You're asking me that.
3: about college football oh, man, you're right. right when I was going to make a cool point. All right, go. Your, make your cool point, hey, cool guy. If you remember, Robert Smith couldn't get on the field because of Terry Allen. So they've actually had mm-hmm. a, a lot of good backs. They had another guy named Ted Brown that ran for 1,000 yards for him in the early
1: 80s. Sure. They also
3: had Ricky. I think he was number 23. He was 23. And they had Ricky Young, who caught over
1: 80 balls, I think, twice in his career. Very nice. Great information. There you go. Um, Yeah, Robert Smith. and and had a wild card right Terry Allen uh, also had some gangbuster seasons for the Redskins Mm -hmm. after John Riggins uh, went away. I think just before Stephen Davis. Um, And it was in the mix there with Ernest Biner when he was up there. Yeah. Um, All right. So, uh, but do we, we, I mean, I I don't think there's much argument that, uh, that Peyton and, Sayers and, and the rest are give the division crown to the Bears there. Let's go to the South. This is the worst running back division in the NFL. Boy, it's 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 garbage. The Falcons I give it to the Falcons and their best ever is either Gerald Riggs or William Andrews, I easily guess. Easily William Andrews. Easily? Not, easily not William statistically, Andrews. but but uh It's fairly close. No,
2: Dave, we go by the eye test.
1: Riggs, you know, I like to go by that. Listen, Riggs and Andrews were as uh, comparable, uh, you know, in in terms of running style as as I can think of. I remember watching them as a lad and thinking, wow, William Andrews is awesome. And then he sort of faded away, and Riggs was the exact same runner.
2: Mm -hmm. I would go along with that.
1: Thank you. I appreciate Sorry, your I, validation. You got it, boss. <laughs> and I'll tell you one thing. And I'll, Michael Turner actually is a modern day kind of version of those, cuts the same uh, physical stature.
3: You know, and I know Adam grew up an NFC West guy, you know, with the Rams. One thing about Andrews, you can make the case he's one of the most underrated players of all time. His last season, before he tore up his knee, he ran for over 1,500 yards and he caught like 60 something balls. He had well over 2,000 yards from scrimmage. William Andrews is a big time player, and Gerald Riggs. In 1985, had over 1,700 yards for a team that went like three and 13. That's unbelievable that a guy could get that many yards for such a, a team. Uh, yeah, a
1: team that you assume was trailing a lot in the second half, so he wasn't getting a lot of uh, carries at that point. Um, but after you get past that, the Panthers have a decent collection of guys for, uh, you know, they've been around for 17 or for 18 seasons. But D'Angelo Williams and Jonathan Stewart and Timbiaka Batuka, and they've had Nick Goings wasn't too bad for them in, in short little stretches, but they're in last place. The Bucks. James Steven Wilder. James Wilder was great. James Wilder, talk about an all-purpose guy who could catch passes and scored a lot of touchdowns. Remember him? Big guy took over for Ricky Bell. Ricky
2: Bell was amazing, yeah.
1: Ricky Bell, though, the thing that uh, it, that marks him more than anything is that, uh, is that he went before Tony Dorsett, and everybody agreed with that pick at the time, or it seemed like most people did at the time, but, uh, but Ricky Bell out of USC was considered a flop. For, he had a couple of decent seasons. But... It was
3: because of size. Uh, it, Tony Dorsett weighed 185 pounds, and the prevailing wisdom at the time was that he would get killed and there's no way he could run in between the tackles. But to bring it back full circle with my my life being set back when the Brewers got moved to the uh, NL Central, just hearing you say James Wilder – and NFC South, like messed with me. Cause I, you know, I picture that era, I picture Doug
1: Williams and Steve DeBerg, and I'm thinking, you know, NFC North division, right? Cream sickle, best thing to ever happen Essential. to the Bucks and to the North, because it because it then cinches at all those northern teams. I've said it before, I'm saying it again now. Shame on the Lions and Vikings. They need to play outside. Now that the Bucks are gone. You need to rip the domes off. They all need to be playing out in the snow in the conditions. And by the way, it's a home field advantage. Right. Now you've negated your home field advantage, you dopes. I think that they deserve <laughs> what they get. And then speaking of dome teams, Deuce McAllister, the greatest runner in Saints history. But I George remember Rogers? George Rodgers? George Rodgers wasn't there long enough. He, he had, had a couple that, of nice he years led with the, the Skins, in rushing,
2: too. He led the league in rushing as a rookie, beating out Dorsett.
1: Yep, number 38 straight out of uh, South Carolina
3: the game caught yards as a rookie and that record was broken by Dickerson 2 years later. But George Rogers had some huge years with the Saints before going to the Redskins. He was a big-time
1: player. He was only there 4 years? He was there four I have George years. Rogers on the list, that's for sure. And uh Dalton Hilliard had some nice had, had some nice years and um George right we talk about Heisman Trophy winners. High, that was the worst one. 1980, George Rogers got it over Hugh Green, number 99, uh, the the great Pitt defensive end who ripped his knee when he got down to to Tampa Bay and never really had the career yet. He had he was drafted third, I think. LT went second out of Carolina, and Hugh Green went three mm-hmm. uh, to Tampa Bay and ripped his knee, so he didn't have a, a huge NFL career. But the uh, but imagine the bookend defensive ends they had at Pitt in 1980. Hugh Green on one side who really should have won the Heisman and Ricky Jackson who's in the Hall of Fame uh, as a New Orleans Saint. And don't forget uh Russ Grimm and Dan Marino. Carlton Williamson uh Dave had some nice years. that listen, they had uh yeah, Bill Frelick. they had uh Bill Moss.
2: Bill Frelick is in WrestleMania 3.
1: What a loaded a loaded bunch. That whole offensive line. You had uh, Jimbo Covert, um Mark May, what a what I mean what an unbelievable collection of uh, of players there. All right, so the Falcons are the team there and lastly now out to the west we go and uh th- this is another p- pretty underwhelming division except for the Rams and you go look at their top two, Eric Dickerson and Marshall Falk. Wait. The, what?
2: Marshall Falk never played for the Rams.
1: Oh, I forgot. We have to call them St. Louis FC. So what do we do? Are
2: we splitting these two teams off? No,
1: no, no. We're going to stay with the Rams. That's what they are. They're they're, the Rams. Eric Dickerson, Marshall Falk. And what about that is your number three, Stephen Jackson. How say you, Elliot Harrison, is he going to the Hall of Fame? Stephen Jackson, no. He's not going to the Hall of Fame? No,
3: but the Rams are so ridiculously deep at running back. You could make the argument the Rams are the best team. Rams and Browns, uh, I would say because there's a bunch of guys from the 50s that you don't have here. Tank Younger, uh, you do have Dick Bass listed, John Arnett. The Rams have been so deep. And then Lawrence McCutcheon. That's, that's right, Lawrence McCutcheon. The 70s, he had four, five 1,000-yard seasons.
1: He went to four
2: straight uh, Pro Bowls. He did. He is the only player in Rams history to throw a super, uh, touchdown pass in the Super Bowl.
1: I remember that. I always think it was to Billy Waddy, but that's not no. correct. Who was that? Smith. Ron Smith. Ron Smith, that's correct. That is correct. So, yeah, so they get that one there. Niners had uh, the million-dollar backfield with Joe Perry and company. Roger Craig, underrated, belongs in the Hall of Fame. Frank Gore, we'll see how he finishes his career off. A a decent collection of guys there for sure. Seahawks, Kurt Warner could have gone down in history as one of the better running backs ever, but ripped the knee and still had some nice years there. And Sean Alexander, and I'll tell you another guy, Chris Warren. So Seattle, I take back what I said about it being an underwhelming group because that's a nice trio there. Cardinals is what's lousy because after Otis Anderson, you go with like uh, Stump Mitchell or somebody like that.
3: Kurt Warner got the the triple whammy. He came out the year Eric Dickerson did. So even though he ran for 1,400 yards as a rookie, Eric Dickerson got all the credit. He had the terrible knee injury. And then another guy came through the league with his exact same name almost, except different yeah, spelling, yeah. who's more famous. So he really got the triple whammy. Yeah, Kurt
1: whammy, Warner, but- by the way, I'm speaking of the Penn State runner, the, the right. great Penn State play runner. They played with Todd not-
3: Blackledge. But, so you have Rams, 49ers, Seahawks, Cardinals. But, Adam, very interesting omission here. Kind of the Steve Slayton before Steve Slayton, except much better. The fumble-prone Wendell Tyler, nowhere to be found
1: on this Where Mets does he? Who West does he beat list. out there?
2: Yeah, there's really well.
1: Who Who am I putting him ahead of there?
2: Again, we're talking two different teams, but I would put him ahead of. Uh, if you're talking, but I, he would go on the Forty ers list, I guess. No, He's better not than ahead Garrison of those guys. Harris. Look at look at look at the years Garrison he spent and there
1: and the numbers he put up there. Garrison Hurst was there longer the than LA you Rams, think he did and he uh, had his best years there. He was, the LA
2: Rams are so loaded that I guess Wendell Tyler doesn't. It doesn't
1: make, make a difference. difference. So let's talk about the wild cards then out of the NFC. I have it as the Lions with Sanders and Sims, and okay. then I have the Giants with uh with mm. their collection. They have depth at that at that position.
2: If you really honestly believe that Tiki Barber is the best running back in Giants history, there's no way they're the wild card team.
1: Well, statistically, and and it's again, it's depth. Joe Morris was gangbusters. Joe Morris was great. I thought he was. I remember watching him at Syracuse, and he was a little bowling ball then. He was a he was the uh, a pioneer for guys like uh, uh, MJD. He was that sort of stuff. Adrian
2: Peterson is better than any Giants running back. We can concede that. Well, I that's what I went back and forth on. I
1: I thought about the Vikings. Chuck
2: Chuck Foreman would end up being. Is that the best running back.
1: All right, listen, let's, let, let's give Hi- Harrison the tiebreaker because I don't feel that. I, I absolutely could see the Vikings beating out the Giants there.
3: Well, if we're going Giants versus Vikings, I'd probably have to go with Rank and the Vikings. But I don't think you can poo-poo the Niners because you don't even have Hugh McElhaney on here, who's a Hall of Famer and one of the greatest open field runners to ever play. Joe Perry... Uh, was the first guy to ever go back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons. That's back when they played 12-game hmm. uh, right. seasons. All right. Roger Craig, first guy to ever go uh, 1,000 and 1,000, rushing and receiving.
1: Joe Perry, uh, like you say, just uh, recently passed away, retired as the NFL's uh, leading rusher. Leading rusher that was a before long time Jim ago. Brown.
3: Correct. And then, uh, you know, Frank Gore, I think we can all agree that Frank Gore has been a pretty under
1: Is he going player. to the Hall
3: of Fame? No, but Hall of Very Good, same place Jim Plunkett resides.
1: Um, all right, well, listen, so wait, so now we we have a three-way tie, so does this mean that we have to let Neck tie die have a vote in this thing? Neck Tie-Dye, the Giants, the Vikings, or the Niners? How say you?
0: Niners all the way. Roger Craig. Oh, and you, we didn't even talk about Ricky Waters. You're kidding me. Wow, Ricky
1: Waters. Ricky that's Waters. It. I don't think he makes the list, though, because he—, he because. It, again, you, we're not talking about what the individual did over the course of his career. It's what he did but with that team. Forty nine er
2: years are better than Garrett. they got to be. Better Ricky
1: than Ricky Waters though spent as much time in Philly. As a matter of fact, I have him on the Eagles. I have him listed on the Eagles team, not with the Niners. He didn't spend enough time there, really.
3: But I think. I think you're looking too much at rushing yards. And someone like Ricky Waters, you have to think about their involvement in the passing game. All and right. that's what made Walter Payton the best back ever was, was that he was a three-pronged guy. He could block, he could catch, and he could run.
2: All right, well, so, you're just— you, So the Lions it. are automatically
1: in? They have to be. Barry Sanders and Billy Sims, how can you possibly— So Lions and then, I guess, Niners? That's their top two. If we're going Niners, but I feel a little— All right, I'm going to let Elliott— slash necktie I have this one but I know that necktie I voted for the 49ers only because it he thinks in his crazed head that it might somehow get him to go to hate ashbury for a long weekend or something <laughs> I don't,
3: but you know what he kind of looks like Manu Tuaiase Sopo and he he had a little uh <laughs> Cameo with the Niners, didn't you? Yeah, that's you? true. All
1: right, listen. If you want your Niners in there, that's fine. I have news for you. They ain't winning uh, a game anyway in the rugged NFC playoffs. Let's quickly go through these playoffs. In the wild card, I have the Titans beating the Steelers, and I have the um, the Colts defeating the Chiefs ever so slightly they barely get in at the 11th hour and i have them nipping i have them i have them just barely nipping the chiefs there mm-hmm. moving on to the divisional round in the uh, in the afc i have the bills with oj thurman thomas and joe cribs besting the Titans. What a matchup that would be. Earl Campbell, Eddie George, and Chris, uh, Chris Johnson there. And then uh, and the Browns get past the Colts there. Jim Brown and company take care of business that way. And, uh, and in the AFC title game, the Bills, capable of winning nothing, but they get past the Browns. How say you, fellas? No way. And in the AFC title game, it is the Cleveland Browns getting past the Buffalo Bills in a matchup of two downtrodden teams, and uh, it's, it's a nice matchup. I'm happy for both organizations that they could get this far in our completely made-up nonsense uh, little playoffs here.
3: But you gotta get, you got to take Jim Brown over OJ Simpson. I know that's harsh, but you, but you have to. And you still have Marion Motley. You still have Leroy Kelly. I mean, the depth that Cleveland has is ridiculous.
1: All right, but the Bills, a tip of the hat to them, a nice run for them in this in this playoffs. They
2: come up a little short, though, as usual. It would have been fitting for them to lose in the Super Bowl, but yes.
1: On to the NFC. Let's get to the wild card here. The Lions pull the upset as the wild card. They beat the division champion Falcons. Cowboys take care of the Niners. See, it didn't make a difference who got the wild card. The Cowboys are good enough to beat whoever it was. So sure. Cowboys move on. Divisional round. I say the Bears over the Cowboys. Does that hurt you, Harrison?
3: It doesn't hurt me, but, you know, uh, Tony Dorsett retired as the second leading rusher of all time. Emmett retired as the first. Then you have Don Perkins with 6,200 yards. Calvin Hill, multiple thousand yard seasons. That's, that's, I know, but but
1: that, but you just said it. Calvin Hill was very good, but Neil Anderson, better, more depth with the Bears. I think it's a, you know, it's pretty close. I think actually the 1 2. Is arguably the best there is. Emmett and Tony Dorsett is the best of, that any team has. Wait, what? No.
2: What do you mean? Better than Walter Payton and Gale Sayers?
1: Well, Gale Sayers. I'm talking about body of work. I mean, it's. But even if you call no, that, then
2: you, then you start bringing in the old guys like Bronco Nagurski. That's
1: what I'm saying. I'm. I, well, listen. I give it Brent to the Bears. Grinch. Do we agree? Do we agree then that the Bears beat the Cowboys in that one?
3: I can handle it. if you bring in if you. Admit that football existed from 1957 and prior, then, yeah, I think the Bears win.
2: All right. For Wait, you, I, no, it. I don't. Well, OK, I, I agree. I, I still I would take Walter Payton and Gale Sayers over Emmett Smith and Tony Dorsett.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's very close. But even if you are going to make that a wash for the but sake of argument, the depth with the Chicago right. definitely knocks Dallas out. If Rams I, beat the Lions.
3: Yeah. Though. And if Adam calls him Tony Dorsett, am I allowed to say Joe Theismann?
1: Yeah, you, well, listen, no, no, actually, you're not
2: technically he's allowed. R- I know. He's robbing off. He's no, Tony Dorsett. Annoying. Dorsett, yeah. He's
1: Dorsett to you and to the rest of the world, but I was grandfathered in by Tony Dorsett himself. I spoke with him uh, a couple of years ago. It's, he's an Aliquippa guy and a, a Hopewell Township guy, as a matter of fact. Mo Damashek, my mother's hometown, and, uh, and I asked him, would it be all right since I knew him? I went to see him actually play in Pitt Stadium. I said, is it cool if I call you Dorsett? He said, you can do it. He gave me the right to do it. So, who, else
3: is, who else is an Aliquippa guy?
1: Mike Ditka. Mike Ditka. Yep, yep, yep. Doc Medic. A lot of great, yeah. listen, a lot of great football. Ty Laws from Aliquippa great football. Steel Town, that's a steel country. About Sweet. 45 minutes outside of downtown Pittsburgh. All right, to the NFC title game, we go. Oh, but I do, uh, we agree. Rams obviously beat the Lions. Yes, Barry Sanders handedly. and Billy Sims notwithstanding. Um, now, to the title game. This is the big one. Rams over the Bears. Some are calling this... The Super Bowl before the Super Bowl. Some, some are saying whoever wins this game wins the whole thing. Who I, will I'm play the Browns? That. Well, who will play the I'm Browns that. in the Super Bowl?
2: My initial gut reaction: Well, we can bring in guys from the '50s. So you start. Elliot mentioned Tank Younger before, and you think of all those great. God, Gail Sayers. See, I always go back to the top two guys. Walter Payton is he better than Dickerson? Yes. Gail Sayers better than Lawrence McCutcheon. Yes. That's not the top two guys, though. It's Marshall Falk. No, I'm not counting Marshall Falk.
0: <laughs> and I'm not counting Steven Jackson.
1: All right, well, if you're going to be ridiculous, then <laughs> there will be no place for that on this show. There's no room for Huey and Applesauce on a program like this. I, I, you know, the
3: Bears are tough, especially with the Red Grange. We didn't even mention him. But, you know, it takes the Bears 90 years to get all those guys in. The Rams not quite as long. And you got two guys with the Rams that were, that were the queen on the chessboard, Eric Dickerson and Marshall Falk, unstoppable guys, unstoppable.
1: I'm with you. I think you go. I I, I think you go, Eric Dickerson, who we talk about that a lot. Relatively speaking, just as I say, Franco Harris is forgotten when people start listing the, let's say, the 10 best running backs of all time. Right. Franco always gets left off that list. Eric Dickerson, oh. when you talk about the very best running back of all time, top four or five, I think he belongs at least being a part of that conversation. He was dominant, Eric Dickerson. Yes. And that's, uh, that's I think, not- it, you know what I think it has to do with? I think it has my hypothesis is his running style. There was something so fluid and graceful and uh it, it seemed like did you ever see Eric Dickerson dive? Did it, it never seemed like he ever had to he was always running upright away from everybody and somehow right. that hurts him in a way, I I
2: feel a like. little bit. And don't compare him to Franco anymore, but
1: anyways. All right. Well, so are
2: we giving it to the the Rams?
1: I i, I it, this You're is saying t- Elliot?
2: I'm okay with it. Closest
1: contest out there. I want to be
2: officially on record as saying the Bears.
1: You say the Bears, but the tiebreaker. Because it'll be great
2: when the Rams move back here and I tell Kurt Warner and Marshall, like, what are you guys doing here? We're not recognizing your era.
1: All right. So that gives us a Super Bowl of the Rams and the Browns quickly around the room, starting with you, neck tie dye. Who wins that one? Easily the Browns. Got to love Jim Brown. Easily. I was waiting to say like wait, who made the Super Bowl again? That's what I thought your answer was going to be. I'm glad you were on you, you were on you the board. I'm
3: going Browns and I'm going to mention a couple names that we didn't mention before. Ernie Davis just for potential mm-hmm. and Bobby Mitchell, Hall of Famer, started his career with Cleveland before he went to Washington. Didn't even mention him. Yeah, but he was
1: Right, but it was a wide receiver for the majority of his career though.
3: Not with Cleveland. All right, fair. Cleveland.
1: listen, I, I believe me. I investigated his placement on this list and yeah, he definitely is worth mentioning. He's kind of a hybrid. All right. Rank, how say you?
2: Hey, necktie dye. What number was Jim Brown?
1: <laughs> Thirty-two, baby. Wow. Wow. All right, he got it.
2: All right, good for him.
1: Good for necktie dye.
2: Well, I uh, I'm going to seal it. Browns, just because the start. Jim Brown, Marion Motley, Leroy Kelly. What number was Marion Motley, Damushek? He was number seventy-six. Done. I'm yes. Done.
1: Yeah. Well, I, you listen. Know, I'm no dope. I don't know what you think I am, Harrison. But I know my numbers. I know my uniforms. I know my NFL history. Well, listen. I hold the. I hold the veto vote. You guys all vote for the Browns, and I hold the veto power. It is the Dave Damashek football program. Oh yeah, I forgot. But you're world champion is the Cleveland Browns. You're hey! Congratulations. They, they've never won a Super Bowl, but they win this Super Bowl as having the greatest running backs in the history of the NFL. So what have we learned here? What have we achieved? I guess having great running backs doesn't equal uh, Super Bowl championships. And that Brian Sype should not have thrown that pass. That's exactly right. Well, really. Red-right red, right,
2: 88.
1: Red-right It's not that he shouldn't have thrown that ball. What Sam Retigliano should have done was put Don Cockroft on the field to kick the field goal. So what? He missed a couple of kicks there. Head-on style. I see, I don't care what. It was, was close enough. That's the right play. That's the that's the percentage play. You have old man Cockroft kick it through the uprights and move on to the title game.
2: Where was Lou Groza? Former... Hall of Famer, Browns, guard, Talking about kicker.
1: 76. I think that was his age in 1980 when that, <laughs> when that game was played. Alright, well listen. Harrison, always a delight to see you. We'll look forward to seeing you on Twitter at some point soon. And in the meantime, we'll see you on uh, NFL.com and NFL Network yapping about fantasy and uh, and real football both. We'll see you actually for the Fantasy Live show tomorrow. Me, Rank, Fabiano, Money, Smith, Rank, Gangbusters work. Make sure you check out Rank's Pick 6. Really strong stuff. Uh, the Five Guys that you will run into in your fantasy draft. Yeah. Six, but yes. Six guys. What'd I say? Pick six. You said five. Oh, I said pick six, five guys. Yes. No, there's hey, when six. So you do of them.
3: 1981 tight ends of the NFL. Will you bring me back on here?
1: Ooh, I like that. So we can yeah. do a little Mickey Jimmy Giles Shuler versus Jerome Barkley. I love it. Jimmy Giles, Mickey Shuler, Joe Billy Sensor.
2: Jo- a, Joe, Billy Joe Dupree.
1: And Doug Cosby.
2: And Duckhouse.
1: Yeah, people talk. You talk about this as being the year of the tight ends in football, Harrison. Let's not sleep on those early '80s. There were a lot of uh, good tight ends back then. Yeah. All right, Benny Cunningham. Yeah, Billy Joe Dupree was still in the league. Yeah, that's right. All right. Well, look, I think we've uh, we've said it all. And uh, so for neck tie dye, and for Harrison, and for Rank, we'll be back with more Huey and applesauce later on, including of week one rank the next time we kibitz we're going to be previewing week one games that count ooh la and la in the meantime thanks so much podcasters it's been a thin slice of heaven
0: you go into your shower feeling tired but as soon as you reach for the irish spring
1: If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.
0: Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools.